One Hope Church. All right, good morning. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning to worship the Lord uh, together. May we do so in spirit and in truth today. Uh, We're going to continue this morning um, through our study of the book of Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 9, verse 18. We're going to conclude the story of Noah this morning and then uh, continue on um, a bit past that. And uh, this morning's passage gives us some um, explanation as to how our, our world is today, how it got to be where it is today. Um, and so it's an important section of scripture. I do want to say we know um, people who have um, been with us in the in the past who um, you know aren't in Athens anymore. And think mo- many of you who were um, around at the time have have heard of um, Emily Hodges' mother passing away uh, from COVID um, here this weekend, and so prayers uh, for their family. And also, um, you know, we, we have others to pray for, um, in our church, we have a family with, um, has at least one member with COVID right now, uh, but that's appears not to be a severe case. So we're thankful, um, for that. So we do encourage everyone to, um, you know, be diligent as we, as we can be, um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's. That's that's tough, and so we want to want to just be in prayer uh, for people. And there's lots of other situations going on as well that we just need um, to be mindful of the power of prayer and the need um, to pray for one another um, and to keep each other lifted up and to um, look out for for one another. So let's continue uh, to do that. Thank you for all of you, of you who are doing that um, faithfully, and and we praise the Lord um, for that. So let's uh, continue to to go to God in prayer this morning as we enter in to Genesis chapter 9. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love um, for us. Lord, we know many times in this this life, in this world, we we do suffer. Um, We... We suffer because sin has entered the world, as we've seen in the book of Genesis. And Lord, um, you above all else know all the pain um, that that has brought um, across the face of the earth to the people of the earth, Lord. So much so that you sent your only begotten Son, one sent forth from you, Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, to pay the debt of sin that we could not pay, that we might be redeemed from the curse that we were under. We are thankful that there is redemption in your holy and precious name, dear Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 9, verse 18, it says, Now the sons of Noah who went out from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. And Ham was the father of Canaan. 
And these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Jephthah took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. We're going to stop there for a minute and talk about this because this is a sad scene. Um, you know, this, the scriptures are full of, scene, of scenes. You have, you know, these different scenes in the scriptures as if you are, you know, you read the Bible and, and in some ways, you know, you're like watching a movie and you have, you know, different scenes and some scenes will, you know, cause you to have great joy. And some scenes uh, will give you great wonder. And some scenes will give you sadness. Um, because, And this is a sad scene because, you know, we have seen Noah's great faith that he believed God, that God was going to judge the earth and he was righteous, you know, before God. And so we see his testimony for 120 years as he builds that ark and gives witness to the world of, of the coming judgment and what God is going to do. And, and it's an opportunity for others to join in, but they do not. We see Noah leave the ark and make his sacrifices to God and God make promises to all of us through Noah. And so Noah is this great hero. And then this last major scene of his life is one of failure. I want to be clear this morning. There was nothing wrong in Noah being a farmer. There was nothing wrong in Noah planting a vineyard. There was nothing wrong in Noah making wine. How do we know that? Well, Jesus turned water into wine, right? At a wedding celebration. And and don't give me this nonsense that it was non-alcoholic or something like that. Because the people said it was good. I mean, let's just be real on what the situation was, right? But it was a sin for Noah to get drunk. See, drunkenness has always been a sin. And, you know, the, this proverb tells us, you know, a strong drink is a mocker. You know, basically the scripture tells us there's a time for and there's a time not for. There's a time for and a quantity for. Proverbs actually says even, you know, somebody is dying to give them a strong drink. You know, why? To ease their pain. We see Jesus refuse to drink at the cross. But Noah had too much. From the context, it seems like Jephthah is in the tent with him. You know, and the two of them are probably drinking together. But 
you know, and people want to say something else happened here, but but we need to understand maybe a bit different from our culture. You know, shame and honor are such key elements as you read the scripture and you read the Old Testament. Shame and honor are essential. And it was a shame for Jephthah to see his father without clothes on. And instead of covering his father, he goes out and tells his brothers about it. See, there seems to be a little bit here of like, hey, isn't this funny about dad? Mocking Noah in his old age. But these two other brothers did not join in. So they took a a garment, they laid it on each one of their shoulders, they walked backwards into the tent, and they covered their father without even looking at him. Why? Because they honored and respected their father. And even though their father had done something that was foolish in getting drunk, And being exposed. He was still their father. And he was worthy of honor. Of respect. And to take care of him in his vulnerability. And not to make a mockery of his vulnerability. You can imagine... Those who are reading the, the writings of Moses here, who had received the Ten Commandments and the command to honor your father and your mother. You know, they would see here a clear example of one son dishonoring his father and another son giving honor to his father. Verse 24, it says, So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Jephthah, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, so all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So here we have Noah giving blessing and cursing. And what's really interesting here is he doesn't say, cursed be Ham. The son who had done the dishonorable thing, he actually curses Ham's son, Canaan. Now, there's, I think there's a couple of reasons 
you know, for that. It seems like Noah, it, I think we can assume that Noah already knows the character of Canaan and he's like his father. But there's also a prophetic piece that God is giving here of what the Canaanites are going to be like in general. And they're going to be very sinful and, and lewd and, and crass people. They're going to be an immoral people. That's going to be typical of them. But also, he doesn't curse Ham because from Ham, there are many descendants and many people groups are going to come from. And so if he had cursed Ham and not just Canaan, then that's like a third of the people groups would have ended up receiving, being under that curse. And so there's a reason for that as well. And then he talks about... Um, and, and blesses Shem and Japheth. And they're going to receive that blessing. And so, then we see Noah passes from the scene and we enter into chapter 10. Now, chapter 10 is a, little, is a bit, um, in the narrative that we're given in Genesis, chapter 10 and... and Chapter 11, you know, the order of, you know, beginning of chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel, we can, we can see how these people got to where they are. But chapter 10, the purpose of it is less about just get, giving a genealogy like we've seen um, already in Genesis. But it's about giving a geopolitical framework. And ultimately how Israel fits into this geopolitical framework, it gives you know, peoples and, and where they're placed and their their boundaries. And then chapter 11 is going to tell us a little bit like how they got there um, to begin with. Okay, so chapter 10, it does say it gives us a genealogy, but remember that genealogy is in the context. It's a, it's a geopolitical chapter. It's letting us know, it's setting the scene um, for where things are in relation to to. Um, Israel. Now this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah, and sons were born to them after the flood. And we're going to have a lot of names here, and again, you know, pronunciation on some of these things is difficult, and I'm doing my best in terms of English pronunciation. These are not how they would sound in Hebrew. Okay, just go ahead and throw that out there. Um, just like we have, you know, somebody's name in Spanish and English is going to sound different, right? So, um, we'll just go with that. Now the sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Havan, Tubal, Meshesh, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer were Ashkena, Ripha, and Togramar. The sons of Javan were Elisha, Elisha, um, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanim. And from these, the coastland peoples of the Gentiles were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, Canaan. The sons of Cush were Zeba, Havilah, Zapata, Ramah, Zabatak. And the sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dedan. And Cush begot Nimrod. He became he began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, 
the mighty hunter before the Lord. And that's just kind of a cool one right there. Like this guy gets to stand out from the rest. People knew, you know, he had a reputation as a mighty hunter. So if somebody was a really good hunter, they'd be like, oh, he's like Nimrod, you know, and just we do that same thing today. You see a young person with certain attributes, you might compare them to someone of the past. Oh, he or she is like this person and that they share that commonality and that ability. And the beginning of the kingdom in verse 10 was Babel, Erich, Akkad, and Kalanah in this land of Shinar. From the land, he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Rehoboth, Ir, Kala, and Resin between Nineveh and Kala. That is the principal city. Mizraim begot Ludum, Ananim, Lahibim, Neptuim, Pathrusim, and Kalushim, from whom came the Philistines and the Kaphetorim. Canaan begot Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, the Jezebite, the Amorite, and the Girgashite, the Hivite, the Archite, and the Sinite, the Ardavite, the Zemurite, and the Hamathite. Afterward, the families of the Canaanites were dispersed, and the border of the Canaanites was from Sidon as you go toward Gerar, as far as Gaza. Then as you go toward Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zebulun, as far as Lasha, and these were the sons of Ham, according to their families, according to their languages, in the, their lands and in their nations. And the children were also born to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder. The sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Arphaxad, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram were Uz, Hui, Gether, and Mash. Arphaxad begot Selah, and Selah begot Eber. To Eber were born sons, the name of one was Peleg, for his days, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan begat Amadad, Shelopeth, Hazarmoth, Jera, Hadorom, Uzal, Dakala, Obal, Abiel, Sheba, Ophir, Havilai, and Jobab. Jobab, sorry, Jobab, that's a great name, isn't it? And we got to name the kid Jobab? Yes, let's go for it. All the sons were the sons of Joktan, and their dwelling place was from Misha, as you go towards Sephir, the mountain of the east. These were the sons of Shem, according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands, according to their nations. These were the families of the sons of Noah, according to their generation, in their nations, from these nations were divided on the earth after the flood. And how did they get divided? Now he's going to tell us here in chapter 11. Thank you all for bearing with me on, on that, but felt it was important for the context of what's going on. Chapter 11, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. They said to one another, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build our souls, ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered. So we will not be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And that's important because remember the, the message that God gave Noah was the same one that, you know, was given to Adam. They, you know, they were supposed to be fruitful and to multiply and specifically to Noah, Noah is told, you know, y'all be fruitful and multiply and spread out is what they were supposed to do. 
And I think there's a reason, you know, God wanted him to, to spread out. Well, one, ultimately there was a plan, and we'll see this, that he has for the nations. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more before we conclude this morning. But also, you know, if everybody's together, and then wickedness, you know, sinfulness of an extreme degree infiltrates that, what happens? You know, what the scripture says, you know, a little yeast, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Right? So, you know, there's a power in wickedness that wickedness, you know, generally spreads. It's infectious. Understand this, folks. Sin is an infectious disease. Sin is an infectious. You talk about a virus that will infect and cause destruction. There has been no virus that has come close to touching sin. Because that virus, you talk about mutation, that virus will mutate, mutate it into more ways than we can write down on paper of ways to destroy and goodness on the earth and to commit you know, every form of wickedness. We are aware more now about the power, you know, and the ability for a virus, you know, to spread. We've seen it throughout history. But again, no virus can match the virus that is sin. And it has, other than, you know, Jesus, who was born of a, of a virgin, fully God, fully man, but lived perfectly on the earth. Everyone else, you know, you talk about an infection rate, what percentage of infection rate is sin? 100%. 100% minus Jesus. That's it. Only one. 100% infection rate. You've been infected, I've been infected. And what is the diagnosis of that infection of sin? Death. What is death in the scripture? Death is separation. Physical death is the separation of the spirit from the body. If you've seen a person right after they've died, I think you know what I'm talking about. That jar of clay, that vessel is empty. The spirit is no longer there. That's different than if you see the person after the mortician has done their work. Human body is a jar of clay. Physical death is a separation of the spirit from the body. But what is spiritual death? Spiritual death is the separation of the spirit from God. The separation of the spirit from his or her maker. It is that separation from the human being and their maker.
So because of the virus of sin, we are all under a death sentence. And even righteous Noah, we see an example of one of his sins. You see, folks, we have on the the great news of the gospel of Jesus is that we have a cure. There is an antidote. And for those who believe in in Jesus, it is 100% effective. You see, today, you know, in, in medicine, we, you know, doctors and nurses, everybody's doing the best they can to treat people with this virus. But they don't have anything that they can give a person and say, well, we're guaranteed they're going to get better. We're guaranteed this is going to work. But with Jesus Christ, we have a guarantee that that person will be made new. Will be whole. And and get this, folks, is made a new creation and will be so much better off than they were before. See, it doesn't put you back just like where you were before. It actually heals you and makes you a new creation and a redeemed person and you have the Holy Spirit of God and now you can live a life of victory. You actually have potential to live in victory over sin. But how did we get here? How do we get here from, you know, families that came from different parts of the world? You know, we live in the United States of America, the great melting pot of the world. It's called, you know, where people from all over have come here. And even those of us who, you know, now you know, have the same common language and it's been our common language for generations. That was not always the case. You look at around in our different different families and even people who look similar, you can go, and what did you, what language did your family speak a hundred years ago or 150 or 200, however far you have to go back. But I guarantee you, you won't have to go back that far to find some people in your family who didn't speak English and that English that they spoke Um, You don't have to go back all that far to be like, I'd have a hard time understanding (laughs) all that. It's changed. Chapter 11 of Genesis says this. Now the whole earth had, you know, one language and one speech. See, and they wanted to build a city and this was what God knew. If they all stayed together, that infectious We talked about that yeast of sin would spread to the whole. And what did they want to do? They wanted to grill a great towel. Why? To make a name for themselves. Folks, can I just tell you that that sin 
that they wanted to make a name for ourselves is still ever present? What do people want today? Make a name for themselves. To be known for something. Folks, when you walk on campus at the University of Georgia, what do you see? You see buildings with names on themselves. Now, occasionally people, you know, went back and said, you know, this person had done some amazing things and we should honor that person. And, you know, that person wasn't, you know, doing what they did to get their name on a building. People behind, you know, and, you know, years later went and did that. But, folks, the majority of buildings that have names on them also have dollar signs attached to them. That name is there because that family or that person gave millions of dollars to the university. They've made a name for themselves. But churches do the same thing. Churches do the same thing. People's names all over church buildings. Give this much money, your name can permanently be part of the history of this church, legacy of this church. Let's be careful that our motivation isn't to make a name for ourselves. And and like I said before, we have to be careful. And I'm not looking to be overly judgmental here. But the question, you know, because sometimes people will will do something with your name, maybe, in the future. But this is the question for us. What is my purpose? And you see, having the goal of making your na- a name for yourself is in contradiction with lifting high the name of Jesus. You know, we need to be people of one focus. Make a name for yourself or lift high the name of Jesus. Don't try to do both. Don't try to do both. Make a name for yourself or lift high the name of Jesus. Don't try to do both. But folks, a lot of times we are trying to do both. We, we're, we're great with lifting up the high name of, the name of Jesus as long as our name can be great too. Not based on what God has done, but what other people say. Folks, let the name of Jesus be the only name that matters. Let the name of Jesus be the only name that matters in your life. In the life of One Hope Church. Folks, may we be forgotten in the name of Jesus lifted high. Hey, if they remember Jesus, are you okay with it if they remember Jesus but forget you? Am I okay with it if they remember Jesus but they forget me? And just for a point of logic, they're probably going to forget you and me anyway. (laughs) I mean, I'm just being real. You you can be the president of the United States of America and still be forgotten because how many of you can name all of them? A few of you can. Most of us can't. Be president of the United States and be forgotten. 
in a few generations. Oh, who was that person? I mean, you just want to have, I mean, just randomly, you know, I'll, I'll pick a number. I mean, you got a couple that of presidents that have stood out. You know, people will get George Washington. You know, they get the first. And they get Abraham Lincoln. And they'll get a couple of recent ones. But just go ask somebody on the random street, go, hey, who was the 30th president of the United States of America? I just come over them right now and, and look, I, I mean, there again, there's somebody, I know there's some of you who can be probably like, I tell you, but, and without looking it up on your phone, but I couldn't tell you, but you're probably going to be forgotten. You see, I mean, you even put, have your name on the building. People still have no clue who you are. You walk around University of Georgia, average college student and say, and this building, this name on it, do you know why? And this building, this name on it, you know why? And the only answer they're going to give you is, well, I'm sure that person gave a lot of money. <laughs> but they can't even tell you anything about that person. So, folks, you see, you're sitting there trying to get what, you know, this minute percentage of the world gets. And that's to be remembered. And even they are usually a lot of times even misremembered. But you know who doesn't? You know who doesn't forget? God. You know who will remember your faithfulness to him? God. Go with what matters. Don't worry about making a name for yourself. Verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. And now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. And folks, to be really clear, God's not jealous and God's not like, oh, they're going to go do great things that are like honoring to God and you know, good for people and helping people, you know, they're not like, God's not like, oh, we got to keep them charity to make sure nobody slips through the cracks or something like that. No, it's like, they're, they're going <laughs> to, they're going to do more and more evil. We're going to be back where we started, you know, where we, where the world was such full of such wickedness that God had to start over with Noah. So God does this. Verse 7, come let us go down and there confuse their language that they might, might, may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. I want to be really clear here, you know, what God set out to do and, and his will for them to be spread out over the face of the earth, he accomplished. Now, it was going to be accomplished because that's what God wanted. I mean, and, and, and let me actually be very specific about that. I, and when I say wanted, I don't mean like just an emotional desire. What I mean by that is it, it was God's will, his express will, his, you know, it was something that he was going to see happen with or without 
human agreement. But you see, the the humans there had a decision to make of whether they were going to do it God's way and enjoy the blessing of doing so in obedience to God, or it was going to be the hard way. And there's going to be consequence, but yet God's will was still going to win out in the end. So, you know, the people could have said, we're just going to obey God. They could have spread themselves out, still spoken the same language, and not have all the issues that we have today with the differences in in the languages that we have and the difficulty in communication. But you see, they had to do it the hard way. And so then, think of all the conflicts that would occur throughout history because people couldn't understand themselves, each other. They couldn't understand each other and all the conflicts that would arise and think of all the times they needed. Okay, we need somebody who can translate, somebody who can speak both languages because if not, we could end up going to war over something really dumb. Well, people did go to war over things that were really dumb. You know, all the confusion that was created. And again... You know, when people used to believe in this spontaneous evolution that these people groups, you know, kind of spontaneously formed all over the earth, and that explained why we got all these languages from, and the Bible was full of nonsense, and then, oh wait, now we, again, they see most people had, you know, came from the same area and then dispersed, hmm, closer to what the Word of God says about one human race, and everybody having the same origin and the same language, and then Something happens that changes that. And it wasn't a long period of time that changed that. And people just coming up, hey, you know what? I'm tired of speaking this language that we're speaking. Let's, I'm just going to make a new one. And we're all going to make new ones. And everybody's having that same idea all over the earth of like, hell, hey, let's make a, you know, what, what our ancestors spoke. Let's just change that. And we're going to change it with things that aren't even in the same, like, language family or root we're just going to like scrap it and start from complete scratch wait that doesn't make any sense and so yes it takes it takes faith to believe that god made us yes it takes faith to believe that god confused the languages of the earth and made all these different languages but doesn't that actually make more sense than all these people in all these different places coming up with all these different root languages? I mean, one's hard to believe, the other's much harder to believe. So you can pick. You know, people can pick. But I'm going to take what the scripture says here because it actually makes the most sense the Bible has proven itself to be reliable over time and it makes the most sense with the best evidence that we have available for us today. So it kind of, you know, it lines up for the scripture. Now, again, on the one hand, you know, some things are mixed, right? On the one hand, it's been very difficult to have all the different languages of the earth. On the other hand, you know, there's 
a beauty that God gave us in the different languages. Yeah, there is a there is a certain blessing in that, and the the diversity and the the way people can articulate um, way people can articulate things. So you know, God can bring good out of what is bad, and you know, we're we're not sitting here today saying, well, everybody needs to speak, you know, one language. We sit here today and say, no, we just we need to make sure we have the word of God in everybody's language. Because we're not going to pick and choose about whose language is superior or anything like that. Because who are we to say that? You know, no, we're going to make sure the word of God is in these different languages. And then to conclude with this, we see Paul, I'm going to summarize this, go back and read Acts 17. But Paul in the, in the city of Athens... And they bring him to, you know, they want to hear his message. And he says to them, you know, you have this inscription to the unknown God, to the one you worship without knowing. You know, Paul is getting his in here. I'm going to tell you about him. Verse 24, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. And as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere. Notice that he commands everyone everywhere. To repent, got close to the microphone on that one, to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. There he's clearly speaking about Jesus Christ. But why did do, why did God spread out the nations? Because again, together in their own sinfulness, none of them would seek God, but spread out and having need and having felt need, perhaps they would reach for God. And what does Paul said? Though he's not far from any one of us. And now he commands everyone everywhere to repent, that's to turn from their sins and to turn to him. And again, there is another judgment that's coming and it's, it comes through Jesus himself. I want to go back because I want to make some, just an interesting thing here. Just because God, sorry, just because Noah cursed Canaan didn't mean that every Canaanite was doomed to failure. 
when the Israelites entered Jericho, who was spared? Rahab. When he entered the Canaanite city, Rahab, the one who was a prostitute, was spared. Her life is changed because she believed God. She then enters into Mary, a Hebrew man, and is in the lineage of Jesus. So you see, I want you to be very careful when you read these things and you say, well, this isn't fair. This doesn't seem fair that all these Canaanites, you know, would be doomed because Noah curses them because of what Ham had done. Understand that every individual Canaanite still had a choice to make between God and sin. And Rahab made her choice. She was the exception to what the direction her larger community was going. And folks, listen, that's not different today. Jesus said, the way that leads to destruction is broad. And there are many on it. And the way that leads to life is narrow, and there are few who find it. But each individual is responsible to go with their culture or to go with God. To go with the sin that is all around them and say, that's what I want to do and that's what I want to enjoy and that's what I want to live. Or to say, no, I'm going to recognize what the scripture said is true, that I am a sinner. And I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to repent. Man, every time I say that word, the microphone pops. But I'm going to repent and believe that Jesus died for me. See, people today are still warned, you know, save yourself from this wicked and perverse generation. See, what it says in the scripture, save yourself from this wicked and perverse generation, has changed. Well, how do you do that? Well, we want to be very clear, you know, the scripture is not advocating for you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And that you can save yourself by just trying to be good or trying harder. No, you actually have to be saved by the only one who can save you. The only one who was without sin. The only one who could die on the cross for our sins. For all of our sins. And to have that payment, have power in your life through faith. He's the only one that could do that. And you see, from the Tower of Babel on, God's plan is for the nations. And God's plan is that his people would take his message, that we would take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations. We are given that in the Great Commission, and that is still for us today. And there are still people around the world who need to hear the good news of Jesus. And folks, there are still people in Athens, Georgia, 
and in communities all around us who need to hear the good news of Jesus. And because we live in the melting pot of the world and we live in a university of city, a university city, the world is also here. And over the years, we've had the privilege to share with people who then, you know, go back to these other countries. Some that are difficult for us to get into. They come here. Let's be faithful to look for these opportunities and to take them to make sure that people know. And you know what else we need? What we need in our nation is we need strong Believers from other countries to come here and to share the gospel. That's a, probably a whole nother conversation, a whole nother message. But we need people from other places to come here and to help us reach our nation. And we have responsibility in other nations as well. And that's part of living in global church. To give and to receive. May God help us for his glory. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. We thank you for your word and the hope that is in it. And even in the midst of sadness, in the midst of sin, in the midst of shame. Yet we, in the midst of human pride and arrogance that people could think that they didn't need you and that their ways are better, Lord, yet you continuously have reached out and you have continuously worked and, and even at the Tower of Babel, you separated the nations and you gave us all the languages so that people would be spared ultimately. Yes, it was a judgment, but it was a judgment of protection. You saved us from ourselves as a human race. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And we ask for your help. That we would be willing to go near and far and in between. To share your love and your mercy. But Lord, help us to be faithful to you. So that as your word has told us to make disciples, that we would make disciples that honor and glorify you. But Lord, we have to be disciples that honor and glorify you. And so help us in that we pray. Jesus, as we take the bread and the cup, we remember your sacrifice, your death. And we are also reminded of the power and are thankful for the resurrection. Thank you that you're going to come again, dear Jesus. And we praise your precious name. Amen. I'll put the communion over here on the table and you'll be able to take that as you're able. And uh, sing a couple more songs. Let's worship in spirit and in truth and just encourage you to sing and to, to worship the Lord this morning.